Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. I bet you guys are wondering, what the hell is an NFT? What is crypto? And why do I need it in my life? This gentleman here that we're going to be talking to is, I. if I have crypto questions or NFT questions, I'm going to him. And we're also going to talk about the metaverse. So for all you Facebookers, you're definitely going to want to listen to this. Mario, what's going on, brother? Sup, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, obviously, you have the accent, so you're not from New York or New Jersey. No, I, mean, I, I go to New York a lot and, and L.A., but uh, I'm originally from Australia, but I was born in Lebanon, uh, but I migrated to Australia as a kid. So, my accent was Australian until I left the country about seven years ago, and I've just been traveling for seven years. So, genuinely, my accent changes, depends where I am in the world. Like, I spent a lot of time in the U.S., and for a period of time, people started saying, I have a U.S. accent. I spent a lot of time in the U.K. for a period of time, and I had a British accent. So it, it without unintentionally, it changes depending on my environment, which is weird. So tell us a little bit about you. I mean, you've, you're so involved in tech. You're so involved with the metaverse. You're a keynote speaker speaking all over the world. But tell us a little bit about where you come from, where you grew up, and how did you get into this whole tech tech universe? Sure. So I lived most of my life in Australia before I left a few years ago. Uh, I dropped out of university, got into e-com, did really well, launched a business called Fruity. We still exist today in over 30 countries, got a record year last year. Uh, that's Fruity, F-R-O-O-T-H-I-E, if anyone wants to do due diligence. And uh, that did really well. Um, and I uh, you know, hit seven figures in year one, eight figures in year two. So I was very grateful. I had success pretty early on at a young age. I got into crypto in 2017, launched IBC. Uh, if anyone wants to Google it, it's IBC Group, which is an incubator and accelerator in the space now. It used to be a marketing and consulting firm and probably one of the biggest accelerators in the space. And uh, two years ago, in 20, a year and a half ago in 2021, I co-founded and became the CEO of NFT Tech, which uh, ex is expected to go public very soon uh, on the stock market under the ticker NFT, which is pretty exciting. And you can guess it's an NFT company. So it launches NFT businesses and projects and invests in the space. In other words, like I'm pretty deep in the space. And that's what I do every day. And I'm pretty fascinated by the, by, by, by the space as well. But for the audience, a good thing, you know, a, a breath of fresh air, I'm very unemotional about the space. Like I don't really care whether it goes up or down. Like I, I don't really care if it disappears tomorrow. I'm still financially well off. And I don't have any emotional attachment to the industry, which means I can give you objective advice on where I think the space is heading. And I can show you both sides of the coin, pros and cons. Like the way I give you, you know, the way I explain the space is, a, is a, I try to keep it as objective as I can, which is, I think, the best way to bring value to anyone. You know, and I love that because some people, they get so invested in it. And then the, whatever it happens, it shits the bed. And then all of a sudden they lose everything because they weren't they weren't invest they were too too much emotionally invested in 
in that product instead of just being, you know, like like even uh, the owners of Berkshire Hathaway, they're, they're like, you know what? We own the stock, but we're not invested in the stock. And if I got to get rid of it, I'll get rid of it in a heartbeat. Yeah, so, Buffett and, and Munger talk a lot about this, about the, the, the being unemotional in business. Like I was just chatting to one of my team members, my CFO, just before this. That's the reason I was late. I was on a long call with him. I'm like, man, I'm going to make a decision. Emotionally, that decision will probably annoy a lot of people. But objectively, you know, it's a zero-sum game for me. It makes business sense to me. So I'll be taking the decision, even though it might bother some people, it might sound emotionally wrong. So you have to be unemotional about business. Business doesn't care about emotions. It's, you know, numbers. That's it. Very objective. I'm not saying emotions don't have a role in business, but when you start getting emotional about decisions, and that's where it starts potentially backfiring. Like if you invest in crypto because you love the space, but maybe it's just not the right time to invest. Maybe there's too much hype. Maybe there's too many red flags. Like right now, I wouldn't invest much in the NFT space. There's just too many red flags in, in areas of the NFT space. It's just too overpriced. Now, I could be completely wrong, but if someone that loves the space so much might just throw money at it because they just love it. They're so attached to it. And that might backfire on them. So, okay. So let's, you know, back up and talk a little bit about, like, I, I really didn't know what an NFT was until somebody said, remember when you were a kid and you, you used to collect football cards? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, NFTs are just digital, digital baseball cards. And I was like, now I get it. I understand it, you know? So I'm going to explain it. I'm going to take you on a, on a, a mental adventure in understanding it, but a very easy way to understand it. And I've had to simplify the way I explain it because I've explained it to a lot of people that are brand new to the space. Because you know, imagine if you listen to videos of people explaining the internet or what was called the information back in 1990s, it was called like the information highway. Yeah. Uh, that's what some people call it and, and other terms. It was funny the way they explained it and the way they explained the email and laughed at it as a concept and how it's not even like, why would I need an email? I can just fax someone, that type of thing. Um, and it was, a, it was a very fascinating going back in history and understanding how people explained it, it was a very fascinating exercise that I did. And it's going to be the same thing now. Um, but the way I would explain the metaverse and, and NFTs, let's start with NFTs. The way I would explain NFTs is very simple. Before 2008, 2000, sorry, before 2009, and more specifically about 2017, you couldn't own anything online. You couldn't. The only, like, what I mean by ownership, I own this phone. Anywhere I go, I'm, you know, I'm traveling in two days, I travel every week, I'll travel with my phone. I don't have any receipt or confirmation this is my phone, it's in my pocket. If I'm wearing a ring, it's my ring because it's on my finger, glasses are on my face, or it's in my house. So without having proof, everyone would look at that as your own thing, and that's existed since the beginning of time. When you have something in your property, in your pocket, or wearing it, or in your car, or in your house, a thousand years ago, or today, it's going to be considered yours. There is no government, there's no company, there's no entity that says this is yours. This is yours because it's yours and everyone would see it as such because physically, that's where physics comes in. Physically, it's in your possession. That's why. Now, online, you couldn't own something unless they're the third-party company that said you're owning it. What do I mean by this? You couldn't own a video unless YouTube said you own it, and they enforced copyright laws. 
you couldn't own a picture unless Instagram said you own it. You couldn't mm. own money online, like the, the representation of money, unless a bank says you have that much money in your, in your account. Because if there was no bank, you could make up that money. You could go in and edit it and put whatever. If there was no YouTube enforcing videos, you can copy videos. You can copy pictures. Yeah. So there's companies in the middle that would enforce ownership. And if you're playing a game for any gamers out there, when you buy things in the game, there you go. When you buy assets in the game, you buy guns or, or yeah. real estate or whatever, you don't actually own them. You can't move them around. You can't do anything with them. It's within the game. If the yeah. game disappears, all your assets are gone. Yeah. But if... If let's say, you know, people in Ukraine, Ukraine went through, you know, going through a tough period right now, people could get their assets and go to another country. You know, I've got someone here in, in, in my house here. She's from Ukraine. She got her, her son and her assets in a suitcase, and she's here from Ukraine living with us. But in the, in the game, you couldn't move your assets from one game to another if one game is going bust or disappearing or has problems or you just want to leave it because you don't actually own those things. The game says you own them. Why? Because technologically it wasn't possible. In the physical, we have, physical world, we have physics that allow me to put this in my house, put it in my pocket, because physics allow me to do the gravity and stuff. But in the metaverse, in the, sorry, in the NFTs, you couldn't, technology, in the web, you couldn't do that. Now, in 2018, the concept of NFTs came up. Right now, collectibles is what's sexy, because people like to collect stuff. Yep. So what the concept of ownership is a lot more than collectibles. You can own your ID, you can own your in-game assets, you can own money, you can own your, your asset identity already. You could own clothes, you know, when you walk around in the game. Imagine owning clothes. They're your clothes. And then you can move from one game. Let's, let's say you have an avatar and you're wearing, uh, let's say, Gucci shoes. You know, some people like to wear branded clothes. You're wearing Gucci shoes. Imagine you work from one place to another with the same shoes. The same way in, in the physical world now, I can wear my shoes anywhere in the world. That's what NFTs allow you. You can own things on the web the same way you can own things in the physical world. Now, collectibles and art is the most easy example to give. Let's say the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa, there's one original one in the Louvre, the painting, the Mona Lisa. Online, there's no one, you can't have one painting because anyone could copy-paste it. The same Mona Lisa, you can copy-paste it online. But now, technologically, you can have an original piece of art or an original collectible that this, if anyone copies it, you can see that it's a copy. Because technologically, you can, you can see proof which one's the original one. The same way there's ways to prove this is the authentic Mona Lisa, the one in the Louvre. There's virtual ways to prove ownership. Now, why is that so exciting? It opens up an entirely new world. Now you can own things virtually like you can own things physically. And before getting into the metaverse, which is like the most exciting aspect of it, a good example is your car. Now you own your car in the US. If you want to move to, let's say, the UK, you have to go through the whole paperwork to say that the car you own it now in the UK. But if you had a digital certificate that you owned that car, that digital certificate can be seen by any organization anywhere in the world because you have a, a digital proof that this is your car and there's no central entity. I don't know what you, what do you guys, what was the, the, the company that deals with like car registration and stuff in the US that everyone hates? Department, of motor, Department of Motor Vehicles. Exactly. Uh, and Department of Motor Vehicles, there's an abbreviation for it. Yeah. Um, and, and everyone hates, hates going there because you wait in line for hours. Right, yeah. But yeah, so because you, you, there's central entities that say you own this, you own that for the certificate. But if it was virtual, you can have a, a virtual proof that this is your car as an NFT, as a digital asset and that asset is now the car 
And if you want to sell your car, all you do is transfer that digital asset. No need to go to the department of, of whatever, motor, whatever, to, to transfer the, 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 the ownership. It's all virtual. You can actually use the NFT to actually turn on your car. So instead of you using a key, you can use a code that's linked to that digital ownership. So now it gets a bit complicated, and I want to end it here by just saying the potential to own something online now exists, whether it's real estate, representation of real estate, representation of car, or your identity, or your medical records, all of it could be virtual, all of it could be proven to be yours online, and that includes, for gamers, that's probably the most exciting part, digital assets. So you buy assets in a game, as an NFT, let's say it's a decentralized game, as an NFT, now you can move those assets from one game to another. Now you can sell them. You could do whatever you want with them. The same way you could do whatever you want with your gun or your hat or your glasses or your car when you buy it in the United States of America or any other democracy. Now, you know, before I, I knew we were going to talk, I started doing, you know, because I went on YouTube, started watching videos like everybody else. And I heard somebody say that somebody bought a mansion virtually and was having parties at their house virtually. Am I just hearing stuff or is this real? Not only is this real, that concept of, of digi a digital version of life, you're going through it. Right now, we're on Zoom. This is a digital representation of my image and a digital representation of my voice through the mic that goes through the web that goes out to you. So 20 years ago, the only way you could interview me was if I come sit next to you. Yeah. 30 years ago, that's the only way to do it. So we're already living in that digital world. That story you heard is just another step forward. Now you can have a, you know, kids, they, they in their game, like, like Roblox and different metaverses, which is like a, a metaverse is like a digital version of our world. In those digital worlds, they just put their goggles or they go on their computer. You don't have to use goggles. And they make, they build relationships. I, I have the son of one of the, a good friend of mine, a banker, he's a very traditional guy. His son was telling me how he met a girl Became, got into a relationship and broke up within a month or two, all in that virtual world. What is a party? A party is a place to go, enjoy music, express yourself, build relationships, and signal your wealth. You know, buying bottles, having a nice big table, etc. You can do all those things digitally now. You can listen to music, obviously virtually. You know, uh, this, this doesn't need explanation. You could signal to the world that you're rich by having owning expensive things in the virtual world. And there's so many examples of that. You can have virtual version of, of Louis Vuitton, all those brands. You can buy an expensive spot in that virtual club. And you can socialize with people virtually by just talking to them. It's just a virtual representation. Is it like the physical world? Not even close. Could it become like the physical world? If you've seen Ready Player One and you understand how technologically, how close, how, how, how fast we're moving, now we're getting to a level where we can actually smell things in the digital world like we do in the physical world. We can touch things in the physical world. You can hug someone and feel like you're hugging someone, feel their skin, smell their skin. We're not there yet, but there's significant process in that direction, which sounds scary, but I'm sure TV sounded scary 100 years ago. The internet sounded scary 20 years ago, and cars sounded scary hundreds of years ago. Okay, so now you're, you, how old are you? Um... Early thirties. Okay, so I'm in. I'm I'm early fifty. So we got that twenty year difference. So how do you explain when you're saying metaverse? How do you explain it to somebody 
my age? Very simple. I have a really good explanation. I've explained it so many places and there's such an easy way to explain it. And it's not that complicated. The metaverse is a digital representation of the physical world without predetermined physics. Now, the first part of my definition, it's a digital representation of the physical world. That's an easy one to understand because, you know, you look at, our, look at everyday life now. What do you do? You entertain yourself watching YouTube and TV. You socialize, chatting to people. You do business. You know, yep. We're doing business right now to an extent, plus socializing. Yep. Uh, you signal your identity. You want to, you know, feel a level of belonging. There's, you know, those pillars kind of represent life. There's not much more to it. If you think, and obviously there's survival. But if you think of everything that I've just explained, if you think of your, you know, what you do on a daily basis, it's kind of covered by one of those things. You know, we chat someone at a cafe that's socializing. We uh, do a business deal on Zoom that's doing business. You, 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 meet, you sit with your wife or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband. That's, you know, the feeling of belonging um, and having that emotional connection. So that's what we do in a physical life. Now, what do we do in the virtual world? What does Instagram? Instagram is a way to signal your identity. The same way you would drive a Rolls Royce in the physical world to show that you're wealthy or you would wear very humble clothes to say you're a humble person or you would wear colorful clothes to express your, as you're an emotional person, whatever, I'm just making up stuff. You could do the same thing in the physical world, in the, sorry, in the digital world. You could buy expensive digital assets to show that you're rich. You know, my image on Twitter, and that might sound silly, but in the crypto space, it's a pretty common flex, is a CryptoPunk. CryptoPunk costs minimum, I think, $200,000, $300,000 just for a picture. I, my picture on Twitter costs, if you go on my Twitter right now, you'll see it, costs two, dollars $300,000. Now, it might sound crazy to someone. I start explaining the meaning behind it. I'm sure if you get an alien to this planet and they see someone driving a Rolls Royce or wearing Louis Vuitton clothes, that might sound crazy to them as well. Like, why would you buy a Rolls Royce when you can use a Toyota for the same stuff? So digital signaling is the same as physical signaling. Okay. Instagram, you know, if you look at use filters on Instagram, it's the new makeup, for example. Yep. Business, we do business on Zoom. We yeah. do business on WhatsApp. I don't think I need to explain that further. What else is left? Socializing. We socialize on social media. Most of the socializing we already do in the div is in the digital world. So why am I telling you all this? Well, if you go back to my definition, I'll ask you a question, Kirk. It's a good question. But if you go back to my definition of the metaverse, it's a digital representation of the physical world. Then technically, we're already living in the metaverse because we're already going doing all the things we do in the physical world in a digital world, it's just not that immersive yet. <coughs> it's, that's all right. Bless you. It's relatively, it's relatively archaic still. Like, you know, I can't touch you right now. I can't see your body language. I can't see your entire body. We can't, you know, you can't make me a cup of coffee. Not yet. But this is what we're heading to, that more and more of what we do in the physical world is actually moving digitally. And technologically, it's becoming possible. And to end it, I also said without predetermined physics, well, physics are the rules that function our physical world. In the metaverse, in the digital world, it's code. So we're creating our own physics within code. And that's why you can see crazy things in the metaverse, like you know, being able to breathe fire or fly or teleport or be a dragon, because we're creating physics and we're in the early stages of doing that, the virtual version of physics. 
So that's the way I'll describe the metaverse. I hope it makes sense to a lot of people. I try not to go too technical. But Kirk had a good question and a very pragmatic question. Do you want putting it up again, Richard? Is possible? Yes, sir. Thanks a lot. So how do people make money through NFT, Bitcoins, and other digital values, or, or I would say digital assets? So first, anyone that doesn't like the question, like when someone says, how do you make money? Um, you're not being realistic because you know, we're in a capitalistic society. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of what I do to make money. Same for many people. Um, and even for people doing it for, for um, other reasons, I'm sure money plays a role. So it's a really good question, Kirk. Um, it's a really tricky one because it's so easy to get scammed or so easy to be the person that's tricked to buying something too late and people that are insiders in the space making the money. A lot of people lost their, their savings in 2018 by coming in late, putting money, and then the market crashed in 2018. Bitcoin dropped from 20K down to 3K during COVID. And now it's back up to 40K, whatever it is, 30, 40K, 38K. And it peaked at like 60K or something. So my ass is pretty boring, Kirk, unfortunately. It's educate yourself and be very cautious. Be very long-term oriented. And try to invest in relatively safe assets. So you can invest in safe things like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana. They're like the safe ones. And just hold on to it. Forget about it for like 5, 10 years. That's the best way to make a return because these things will take time to, to develop and start getting a return. So you got to be patient. Don't invest in the next big thing that could do 100x or you know 10x your money because they're very hard to find. It's very easy to get tricked late you got to be very deep in the space to come in early, like people like myself. And there's also other ways to get exposure, you know, index funds or even the company that I launched, NFT Tech. We do these things. So we come in early in those de deals. And the reason we launched NFT Tech and we're planning to go public is anyone can buy our stock on the stock market. So that means if we do well and we get that early access, anyone that owns our stock will get that exposure without having to do all the work that we do. Index funds are another good example or just buying the blue chips. But the best thing you could do by far is educate yourself. Just imagine if you educated yourself on the internet in 1995 till 2000. How valuable would have that knowledge would that knowledge have been back then? You know, and that's one thing that I'm I'm really focusing on. Uh, you know, my friend Russell Brunson, you know, owns ClickFunnels, and um, and so you know, I'm doing a deep dive on on that, and I'm realizing like my father passed away in February. And even though I was off the grid for three weeks because I had evergreen products, I was still making money in the digital universe. And I think a lot of people don't realize that we're really moving on to the digital space. And a lot of people are not putting their you know, digital products out there in order to make money in that space. You know what I mean? We're already there. Like for anyone that doesn't understand it, if you're watching this, you're already in that space. Like when I have my AirPods in, there's my AirPods, and I have three pairs because I'm always, always wearing them. Very rarely do you see me not wearing them because I'm in the digital world. We're already experiencing the metaverse. It's just evolving. It's not a new thing that's going to suddenly appear. So Christopher, let's see what you said. Blockchain is too viral to go away completely. No matter what the laws where you currently live or live, all you need is a VPN, worst case scenario. True, like the, the blockchain is a decentralized, like the web, doesn't matter where you are in the world, there's a way to access the web almost almost anywhere in the world. The blockchain is relatively the same. So eventually these assets will push new highs. It's just whether you are already in by then or not. 
that's a good argument. Like long term, the space as a whole is going to, like the metaverse, there's 150 million users, plus or minus, depending how you define the metaverse, but 150 million users of the metaverse, like the, the full definition of the metaverse, like an immersive world like Roblox. 150 million users, okay? Facebook in 2008 had 150 million users. In 2009, that doubled to 300,000, 300 million users. Less than a decade later, that went up over 20x to uh, just uh, just over 3 billion users in less than a decade. And every time, something if you see in history, innovation moves faster every single cycle. The the web three, the web sorry, the web era and the the cloud era moved a lot faster than the internet era, the TCP IP era in 2000s. And that era moved a lot faster than the mainframe era, the, com the commercial computers back in the 1950s and 60s. So every time there's a new innovation, it moves faster. Crypto's moving much faster than the Web 2.0. We're seeing significantly faster growth in crypto than we did back in the internet days in, in the early century. So if you look at it as such, it goes back to Christopher's point, the tide is rising and everything will rise with it. Of course, there's going to be things that will go to zero. The higher risk you take, the more the you know the lower cap products you buy the you know the higher risk the higher reward but also the higher risk so you could lose everything um but if you're not educating yourself and that kind of christopher you made my point if you don't you know educate yourself and go deep in the space so you know what where to get involved like as in breathe it every day i'd rather just buy the blue chips and forget about it it will go up it will go down the best way to invest is dollar cost averaging that's what research shows buy every day buy ten dollars or a hundred dollars or thousand dollars depending how wealthy you are Every week, put that much money in crypto, in the in the blue chips or some index fund or public company that represents like an index fund. Put money into that every week, whether it goes up or down, doesn't matter. And then look at your portfolio in five to 10 years time. That's probably the safest strategy and a smart one is, uh, at that. Okay, so then if, if Mario was going to start today, say with, you have 500 hours in your account. What would you start and how would you start investing with only 500 bucks starting today in 2022? Very simple. I dedicate my life to crypto. You could get a job earning $500 a freaking day. You know, crypto pays a lot. Um, or on the low end, let's say $1,000 a week. And then use that money to invest in my side, in my time on the side, but really invest early in projects. And that means spending 20 hours, 10, 20 hours a day, seven days a week learning the space. Like I would obsess over it. There's a lot of stories of people that did that, including a good friend of mine I was speaking to earlier today. Now I got into crypto that I had already had money. So I'm not a fair comparison to, to, to use. But a friend of mine you know, started with a very low amount of money from a third world country and is not a millionaire yet but very close to getting there. Now, he's an anomaly, and a lot of luck comes in. But the more you educate yourself, the more you increase the likelihood of luck reaching you. I love it. And, you know, that's something I had my friend Seth Maniscalco on, um, and we were talking about the same thing about how you have to – the best thing you can invest in is yourself, and you have to do the studying. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the reps. Um, so for the last couple of minutes – um, tell us about where you're going to be talking, what you're going to be talking about, and how we can support your mission. Yeah, so so uh, support my mission. 
it's not look not, not much I ask from you all. Like I I really get value from giving value. So I speak at a lot of events. You know, I fly at one stage. I was on a plane every two three days, speaking about the space around the world. You know, I'm going to to Cyprus in two days, then to speak at two panels on a keynote, then Thailand right after. Then I'm speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos. I'm speaking at the United Nations General Assembly later this year. So, and I'm, I'm speaking at events every month. I do podcasts almost every day. So I speak a lot about the space. I also have my own show. So I used to have the biggest show on Clubhouse back in the day when Clubhouse was big. I used to have 10,000 people listening to me per day, every day, seven days a week. It's not about crypto. It's about entrepreneurship. And I stopped it because Clubhouse died. I moved it to Twitter, but then I got too busy with, with my companies and crypto blew up. So I'm looking at launching that again. It's called The Roundtable. Um, so that could be interesting for some. We just announced two days ago that we're launching it again, announced to a small circle. Um, but best thing to do, like everyone, just educate yourself. You know, maybe something you could do right now. Go on your computer, go to nfttech.com, nfttech, T-E-C-H for technology, nfttech.com. And at the bottom of the page, you can put your email in. Put your email and just read every email you get from nfttech.com. It's a starting point. It's a starting point. There's another good newsletter called The Milk Road. Just Google The Milk Road Crypto. Another great newsletter. Educate yourself and just Google me and listen to my speeches and events and subscribe to me and just, just learn. It's by far the best thing you could do. You're still very early. The train is barely getting started. So educating yourself right now is one of the best things you could do with your time and your money. I love that. And I want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Kurt Balish of Balish Woodwork. Thank you for sponsoring today's show. Uh, my book that's out now, hit number one twice on Amazon. Thank you for, for sponsoring the show. So, guys, if you got something out of this, I want you to leave a comment below. And I'm sure that Mario will reach out to you if you have any questions. I'm sure he's that kind of guy. He's always willing to help. So make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you leave a, a, a note. And I just want to say thank you so much, Mario. Thank you for your friendship. And uh, I can't wait to see what you got going on because, you know, I love young guys like you. You're a go-getter and you're looking to change the world. Thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate your time and, and uh, I appreciate everyone that was listening. I love it. And guys, remember, like Oprah Winfrey says, the best way to help yourself is to help others. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is up and I'll catch you guys tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.